Welcome to the second episode of the Mutiny Sports NFL podcast. This will also be our last one as just a solely a NFL podcast. Um, I am one of your hosts. I am hashtag high wattage, hashtag feeling the love. I'm your Steelers and Vikings admin, co-admin. Um, I'm joined by our Bills Mafia admin. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, I am Josh Wilson. Hashtag kiss my bass and the uh, commissioner on the NFL page. We're also joined by one of my other co-founders for the new brand, um, Des. He is a member of our Titans and Saints fandoms. Go ahead and introduce yourself. I'm Des. Depressed. What's up? <laughs> it's a rough time being a Saints fan. <laughs> what are your tags? Uh, fuck, I don't remember. Um, not so young. And, and what's your Saints tag? Do we even have a Saints tag anymore? I think you had to change it, didn't you? No, I think it's Phil Andrews. Oh, Phil Andrews. Yeah. Alrighty. And we're joined by one of our other five founders, um, kind of the... The, the father of the group, kind of, between him and Des, they kind of both birthed this group, and then from there it has become, hopefully the monster it'll become, but he is our guest this week, he is our resident law student, and also the very depressed fan of the Ravens and Lions, go ahead and introduce yourself. So, I'm Mike, uh, hashtag the Lions Hasselgoff, and hashtag boats and pose. And I'm indeed quite depressed, more so than usual. <laughs> He's the only one here who didn't have a single team make the playoffs, which is disappointing for him. He's also a division rival for both of my teams. So uh, as you can tell, game days get a little fun when our teams play. Um, although he did get – his Lions did get the better of both of my teams this year at least once. So, um, I mean, I granted one of them was only a tie, but – the tie is still getting the better of a team when you're the Lions. So, um, but with that said, we, we're going to jump right into this week. Um, for our final week, we have our Super Bowl pick 'em, which updated standings here show that we are tied. Dante, or Dante and Josh, so Josh and I are both tied for first at 28 and 16 after a wild AFC championship and NFC championship weekend. And Dez is sitting Three games behind it in third at 25 and 19. Our guest slot is so far out of this thing that it's not even funny as we haven't had a guest on in quite some time. And so they've taken offers for a while. But um, their, their guest slot brings up the rear. So this week we will have not only the Super Bowl pick them, but if Josh and I both pick the same team, we will also have a prop bet to break that tie. But we'll see um, how that goes here. All right, so let's get into our pick em. We'll start with our guest, Mike. Who do you have, Rams, Bengals? Uh, Rams, it's an easy one. Stafford's been waiting for 13 years. He's not going out. All righty. Dez, who do you have in this one? Not the Rams, that's for sure. <laughs> I don't trust that. Dude, I wouldn't trust Stafford with my life, let alone a fucking playoff game. Actually, I just my life's more important. Either way, like I don't trust I don't trust Stafford to win a big game. I know he's won three playoff games um, this postseason, but those are his lone three of his entire 13 year career. Joe Burrow, man, Joe Burrow's ten times the quarterback Matthew, Matthew Stafford ever was. All righty, Josh, who do you have in this one? I've got the Bengals. Uh, Bengals the year of the Tiger. Uh, I just I don't see the uh, Rams stopping the Bengals. I'm going to have to agree with Augie on this one. Um, i got to go Rams on this. So I guess there will be no need for a prop bet this week. Our tie will break one way or another. We'll have a winner. But I, I just I look at this Rams team, and they're the more complete team out of the two. They've got a good, a, a good O-line. They have a better coach by far. Uh, no hate on Zach Taylor, but Zach Taylor has an incredible team around him. Sean McVay got Jared Goff to the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow got John or Zach Taylor to the Super Bowl. I, I mean, to be honest, um, it's 
they're better coached. Yeah. They have a better O line. Their offense is just as dynamic, and that defense is better. And since he's got a really crappy de- or a crappy offensive line, if Aaron Donald and that um, front four for the Rams can get to Burrow uh, a few times, they're not going to pull a Tennessee Titans and let Burrow get sacked nine times and still lose the game. Um, if they can get to Burrow, they're going to put this thing away early and just be have L.A. bumping down the stretch. Um, that was awesome. I got Rams by two touchdowns with <laughs> – Garbage time touchdown, making it closer than it actually was. Oh, you were uncalled for the entire rant. <laughs> <laughs> Not nice. Ah, <laughs> oh, Des, poor Des. All righty. So this week we don't have a weekend review because none of our teams played this last weekend. Um, so we're gonna go straight to um, our resident law student, Mike Augie. And we're going to talk about um, legal advice. Legal advice, like a lot of there's a lot of sticky legal situations going on in the NFL right now. We're going to talk mostly. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we're mostly focusing on the Deshaun Watson and Brian Flores issues, right? That's Before what we're you going talk, on. I want to make a wager that you that the first words out of your mouth are saying that say something along the lines of "You can't give out legal advice." That is exactly what I said in the group chat earlier, and is exactly what I'm going to say now. So everything that I'm saying, take with a grain of salt. I am commenting as a concerned citizen, not um, not technically a lawyer. So nothing I say is binding. Nothing I say is legal advice. Nothing I say is anything that you can construe anything to the contrary. Uh, that being said, I have a second year law student. I know how to read a complaint. I can give my opinion on something. You can't say it's legal advice. Alrighty. So, I mean, that's basically what is being alleged here is that, um, so Mr. Flores is alleging in this complaint that the NFL, all 32 teams, even with the implementation of the Rooney rule, that the NFL is essentially engaging in discriminatory practices that are preventing black people and minority owners from making it in the NFL. So it says that, I mean, this, it starts off, this is 58 pages long and on the very second or third page, it says, you know, quoting from the complaint, In certain critical ways, the NFL is racially segregated and is managed much like a plantation. Its 32 owners, none of whom are black, profit substantially from the labor of NFL players, 70% of whom are black. The owners watch the games from atop NFL stadiums in their luxury boxes, uh, while their majority black workforce put their bodies on the line every Sunday. So, and then it continues alleging that um, Mr. Flores went on a sham interview with the Denver Broncos in 2019, it explains the Rooney Rule and how the Rooney Rule has not led to an increase of minority coaches, management, or assistant coaches. And we don't really get to the allegations until page 50 or so in the complaint. Most of what we see is a lot of examples of the history of the NFL from the 20s, the 30s, when there were very few black players leading to more. And then um, a gentleman's agreement to ban black players um, in the thirties. So a lot of very ugly stuff. And then it gets to the modern NFL talks about guys like Jim Caldwell and then other coaches um, who were either, they were head coaches and got fired after having a winning record or they were head coaches, um, and then they mysteriously left. And it just goes on all these examples. There's stuff about John Gruden in here. And at the end of it, it says exactly what Mr. Flores is looking for. And he and his lawyers have styled this as a class action. So they're hoping to add in 
other minority coaches who they feel have been discriminated against as plaintiffs. And the two, three things, sorry, they're seeking is they want a declaratory judgment. They want the court to say that the NFL has been engaging in racist practices and they want injunctive relief. They want the court to force the NFL to hire more minority head coaches. And then they're asking for a lot of um, damages as well as punitive damages. So it's it's like I said earlier, it's a sledgehammer right to the NFL saying that basically the NFL is quite possibly the most racist institution ever to exist. So my question with this then is where where does that like how do you go about forcing the NFL to hire more minority coaches without forcing them to hire the wrong coach for their team, right? Because, like, so, like, what if the better coach in their eyes isn't a minority, but now they're forced to hire that minority head coach? Like, how do you find that balance? How do you force a team to hire a minority head coach while still allowing them to have the ability to hire the guy that best fits their system? So... So framing that question is almost putting the cart before the horse, because what they're asking the court to do is they're asking for injunctive relief, which they're asking the court to just order the NFL to answer that question. And to do that, they're going to have to prove that because black coaches and minority coaches are not hired at the same rate that they have experience as players, or that there are minority coaches who are excluded when they are clearly the best candidate for the job based on their coaching history, their history as a player, their winning record, all of that. Without being able to prove that, I don't have the answer to that, and I don't think the NFL is going to know either. Yeah. But so, there's no real... There's no, like, true answer. Does anything no, actually aside from, like, a payout for Flores? Because I feel like that's all that's going to happen. The payout for Flores, and the closest thing they have is they have um, what is not really being referred to as such, but it's the text message from Bill Belichick that they're trying to treat that as like a smoking gun. The fact that they already had settled on who they were going to hire before interviewing Flores, and that they only interviewed him because of the Rooney rule, but... The Which point the of argument we made that they, that is in fact exactly what they did. But the thing is, like, so like, Mike, you or I go to a job interview, right? Like, we sit down yeah. and we sit in front of the employer. We're the first interview, right? And we interview, and the employer is like, "No, absolutely, this is the guy I want." Nine times out of ten, he's going to complete the rest of the interviews, and or still, in case he's changed his mind but in this case i mean yeah you can make the argument that they already had their guy right like like rumblings among owners and coaches and everybody were like hey we've got our guy we're completing this interview we have to it's part of the rules and 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 so which obviously is why this lawsuit is happening but can you get mad at a team for doing that when the one of the first guys they interviewed, they were like, no, absolutely, like, this is our guy. And the thing is, we've seen DeBall in his offenses in uh, Buffalo. They're good. They're good offenses, right? And so yes, he's absolutely. the offensive coordinator, right? He's not defensive coordinator? No, he's offensive coordinator. We got Leslie Frazier on the defense. <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. But the ball, I mean, you, you've seen his offenses. You've seen the way he builds a t- uh, builds an offense and the, his scheme and everything. And, and the Giants were like, no, we want that. Like, we want to jump on that right now because if we don't, somebody's going to. A Minnesota, a Denver, a uh, Miami who just – had just fired Flores. Like they, they looked at that and they were like, "We want that guy here, so we're going to jump on him now." But because the Rooney Rule is in place, they had to interview Flores first. And so, can you really get mad at the Giants in that situation? Like, what what is the course of action there if the Giants come to the 
to the courts and say, hey, listen, we had our guy from the jump, but we had to do this because of the rules. Like, it's not our fault we had to follow the rule. What What is the repercussions for that? Like, if they were to go to the court and say something along those lines. So that's probably what, among other things, they're going to say. And you really hit the nail on the head there that what Flores is complaining to the court is that they followed the Rooney rule, but they never seriously or they followed it to the letter, but they didn't follow the spirit of the rule and that they interviewed him to check off a box, not to seriously consider him for the position. Now, we don't know what went on behind closed doors and we never will. It's possible that they saw the ball and they're like, this is our guy, like you said. But they said, okay, we still have to follow the letter of the Rooney rule. And that wouldn't be the first time, not just in the NFL, but in pretty much anywhere. You think you know who you want to hire for a job, but you're not going to stop looking after one candidate. And in an industry where there are fewer black coaches than white coaches, you're going to see guys like Flores, who is one of the better of the coaches, to get interviewed more for what he calls these sham interviews. And maybe in some cases that is to check a box, not necessarily be considered for a job because the team knows who they want or they know the style of coaching they want, and he's just not that it. So the argument is being made on the other side that, He's saying they're not considering me for my merits. And then the team's probably going to say, no, we considered you for your merits. We just don't like them. Yeah. And Dable is a better coach. Where I think that Flores has a leg to stand on as far as, you know, the better coach wasn't hired was Houston. I think he wasn't hired in Houston because of the lawsuit. Oh, absolutely. And I don't think you can ever prove that in Houston. But I definitely think that he lost that job because – but but Dable is going to be exceptional as a head coach, I think, right. in my opinion. And Des too. nailed it on the head. Was it two, three weeks ago? Uh, I think it was last week when we talked about a lot of uh, stuff. Or two weeks ago when we talked about the AFC Championship. And this was, like, first starting to kind of be news. Like, Brian Flores was fired, right? And we're like, oh, well, what, what is this? Like, what's going on here? Yeah. And he was starting to get interviews, and Des said, um, defensive-minded coaches are going by the wayside. Like, obviously, your Belichicks are still going to exist for a little while longer. But but defenses have stopped winning championships. It's – you don't have an offense. You're not going to do anything, right? Like, the Rams proved that – what was it, three Super Bowls ago? They had one of the best uh, yeah. teams in the league. They had no mm-hmm. offense, nothing to answer one of the, the like probably the second or third best defense in the league, and so they ended up losing that Super Bowl because they got killed by field goals. They weren't able to score on their own, and the Patriots field goaled them to death. So defenses have stopped winning championships, and so in a world where that's happening, is this racism? Why Flores isn't getting the job, or is it literally just the fact that he plays? in a division where one, with one of the best offenses in the league, or, and then now you're starting to look across to the NFL and the ta- level of talent on the offensive side of the ball is starting to level out, and a defensive-minded head coach just isn't going to cut it. Mike Zimmer, one of the best defensive minds in the game. The game has passed him by. Just genuinely has. And so you start to look at that and think like, – the argument that there could be made, you want to go offensive, not defensive. And so that's why Flores isn't getting the interviews. I still think obviously he's getting blackballed. And it is BS the way the league is handling it. I think he has a point here. But there's arguments that could be made to defend the league. There's certainly there's arguments that can be made to defend the league. And there's arguments that... Flores is going to be blackballed, especially after this lawsuit. Now teams are going to be looking and they're going to say, well, do we really want to interview this guy knowing that if we don't offer him the job, then, you know, maybe we're we're already being sued once just as part of the league, but maybe next time we're named individually in the lawsuit. So right now, the other teams that 
or not the Giants, Dolphins, and Broncos. They're just included by virtue of being part of the league. But maybe next time they're the ones named next, and then you have to spend all this money litigating that you could have spent on literally anything else. So I certainly agree um, with what you said, analyzing that offensive coaches and defensive coaches, and I think that that is a strong argument. And maybe that's what the Giants say. Maybe they say this was fully a merits-based hire or merits-based not hire. But maybe they do find a more substantive smoking gun. We just don't know. Yeah. So a lot of that comes down to it just genuinely being too early on in the process to know where this is headed. Yeah, we're much – I think knowing big organizations like the NFL – I think that they're going to settle. I don't think that Flores is going to be looking at getting a head coaching job anytime soon, just given the fact that he has kind of become a coach version of Kaepernick in the eyes of the league. But that's for a matter outside the courts to figure out. But I will say that this is definitely – he is not happy. He feels that he has been treated wrongly. He has made that – very clear in his complaint, and I don't think he's going to back down so easily. So this is probably going to be something we're going to see in the news for quite a while, and I think it will affect how other coaches make their hiring decisions. For other teams, sorry. The other, another thing that I noticed in the complaints that I think could have big bearing, you know, in the news is this idea of owners adding a bonus uh, for not winning games. You know, if you're tanking, because that's something that we've known exists, but I've never, you know, really known 100% that it exists, but... So tanking for sure exists. It's just not illegal. Now, it might right. be against the NFL rules. It might be a breach of contract. It might be a reason for the NFL to fire you or to, through whatever administrative procedures the NFL has, to cause you to lose your job. If you're a coach or an owner, probably you get fined. But strictly ordering your employee to do a bad job in and of it's itself not illegal. Not illegal. So, getting into the legality of it, the NFL has a firm policy against fixing games, right? Um, yeah. That was put put in place because of betting reasons. Can that come into play in this situation? If Flores brings up the fact that he was asked by Ross to throw games and he was told he would get X amount of money, could Ross get in trouble with the league for that? I think that, I mean, certainly, yeah, that's a clear violation of league policy. Now, the question that works strongly for Flores, if he says that Ross intimidated him, pressured him, bullied him, or in some way caused him to lose his job with the Dolphins because of that, that works well for Flores. If Flores cleaned up his track, or sorry, um, not Flores, but yeah, but that's purely an internal matter within the NFL. That's not anything that the courts are going to get involved in. Okay. All righty. Do we have anything more than on the Flores situation, or should we dive into the Sean dipshit? <laughs> I'm good on Flores. Des, what do you have? Uh, no, so just guess when it comes to the Flores, I mean, I don't know. It's a mess. I mean, I'll say that, you know, I personally, I, I wish him well. I hope that he does find a team that wants to give him a chance as a head coach. I hope that he finds a system that works for him and that he finds success, whether that's as a head coach, an assistant coach, coordinator, wherever he finds success in the NFL. I hope he finds it, but personally, I don't see that happening. But again, I wish him well. 
kind of. All right, now let's talk about the fun elephant in the room for the NFL. It's kind of been a lingering elephant in the room. Um, About this time last year, trade request rumors started to pop up. Everybody was like, "He's are are the Texans going to move on from him?" When in regards to Deshaun Watson, um, are they going to find a way to force him to stay in Houston? What's going to happen here? Then all of a sudden, um, allegations started to come out. That was late March that those allegations started coming out. It was before the draft, wasn't it? I think just before the draft. Yeah, and so those allegations started to come up of sexual misconduct, uh, sexual abuse, sexual assault. And so now things are a little fishy for Deshaun. We're coming up on a year since all of this started to come out. Where do we stand with the NFL, and what is the possible move forward with this? Obviously, like, you know just as much as we do, but you also know it from a different point of view than us. So what what's your take on this? Where do you see this going? Um. Uh... So I'll be honest, I have not had a chance to look at these complaints, but he has 22 lawsuits filed in Texas state court against him. And if we, without even looking at whatever substance is alleged, I mean, that's for a guy who's hasn't been playing that long. That's more than Antonio Brown in about half as much time. And that's saying something. So looking at, the fact that now he's got to defend all of these, even if the court consolidates them, I think that that's just what he's going to be doing. Um, not only that, he's got criminal charges pending. If you're a team, I don't think you take a chance on him. There's like, you could end up in prison. You know, he could end up having to pay a huge judgment. He could end up, you know, with restraining orders or something. You know, you just don't want a player with that kind of baggage. I think that his time in the NFL is close to being done. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we never see him play another down of football. Um, it's so weird to me because, like, I've I've kind of followed it pretty closely from day one. And, like, Dabo Sweeney, when it started happening, and he's – bless his heart, he's stuck to his guns. But um, he's multiple times stated that's not the type of – person Deshaun Watson is I don't believe that he would do something like that um it's not possible it's not like this isn't true it'll come out that it's not true and he's stuck by it since day one and so like I mean mad respect for standing by your guy but I just I look at this and I'm like how can you say that 22 allegations are false I think one or two you can start to or you can you can uh say maybe that's not true Three or four, you're starting to get into slip, slippery area. Um, but when you get to 22, that's that's a lot of allegations. And so the odds of that being fake are not very high, in my opinion. No, I completely agree. I'd agree with that, too. You know, it shows that... They're calling him, you know, a serial predator, and they're alleging that he has this repeated pattern of behavior. And he's saying that he's going in, he's calling these women, he's asking them for a massage, he's removing a towel, and he's essentially like, you know, then I don't want to say what's happening next so that we stay on Spotify, but he's like putting himself in a position where he's exposing himself to these women without their consent is what's alleged. So do you think that some, <clears throat> maybe a couple of these are people, a couple of women trying to get some a judgment, trying to think that whatever, but I don't think that all of them are. And just one, one is too many. So, I think that we saw what could have been like a very promising career is just been thrown away by one man's very despicable actions. Yeah. Um, 
The one thing that I see that lands in his favor, favor, the one way you can look at it that maybe even possibly lands in his favor, is that a lot of these acts allegedly took place year one, year two in the league, and they waited until he was the biggest news in all of football. Like he, he requested a trade. He was the most talked about athlete in probably all three major U.S. sports. And uh, then all of a sudden, all these start to come out. Like, but but and that was my thought when it first came up. Was like, yeah, this accusation is from year one in the league, like his rookie year. Um, it doesn't seem very credible. They've waited four years, and then all of a sudden, now that he's the most talked about athlete in the world or in the country, now they're going to bring it up. But then as more and more started piling up against them, it's like, yeah, no, this is very much an issue, and I, he's going to have a hard time beating this. No. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's the point that's made. And he's certainly going to try to say that, that nobody was saying anything until he became this huge star. But the paper trail sticks around. Yeah. And uh, boy, is there a paper trail. All right. Is that all we have on those situations? Or does, do other people have other thoughts on that? I don't get on that. Yeah, I'm good. Alrighty. Let's then go into my final weekly overreactions. Um, this one's going to be a bit of a more long-winded one um, because it kind of hits a little closer to home as a Vikings fan. We're going to discuss the Aaron Rodgers situation in Green Bay. And so I'm going to make my point, and then, Augie, for you, uh, for those of you, well, I guess Mike's the only one here who hasn't been part of this before. But so I make I make my overreaction, I make my point, I state what I gotta say, and then y'all can react to it. Um Aaron Rodgers is a crybaby on a level that we haven't even seen Antonio Brown reach. That's my overreaction for the week. Here's why. This man has been in the league for let me double check this. I think it's thirteen years, but Longer than that, oh four. Oh four? Or so no, oh five was drafted. So for seventeen years, Aaron Rodgers has been in the league. Right? Never once has he had a defense that has performed or only once has he had a defense that has performed outside of the top ten. That was the that was Mike McCarthy's final year in the league and or in with the Packers, and that was the year Aaron Rodgers missed more than half the season. Aaron Rodgers has played with some incredible pass catchers. The argument two years ago when they drafted Jordan Love was Aaron Rodgers doesn't have receivers, right? The Packers don't take care of Rodgers. They don't give him the weapons he needs to succeed. Um, Yada, yada, yada. He has played with some of the all-time greats at receiver. Randall Cobb. Devontae Adams, um, Greg Jennings, that, and that's just like that's just three of the big names he's played with. Like he's played with incredible players. He has um, Jones in his backfield. He has an incredible uh, receiving core this year. He has Mar- Mar- Marquez Valdez Scantling, who isn't great by any means, but he's serviceable. He's, he's a solid number three back. Like, he would be, for sure, a surefire number two on most teams, and he's their number three receiver. He's got arguably the best receiver in the league. His offensive line is always elite. His defense is always great. And yet the complaint from him has always been, they don't take care of me, they don't give me the weapons I need to succeed. No, Aaron, you underachieve with what you are given. And so when the people of... When the Green Bay fans, when the Green Bay front office, when the league sits here and says, Aaron Rodgers is a crybaby, and everybody laughs at them and says, no, Aaron Rodgers just needs to go and do what's best for Aaron Rodgers. What's best for Aaron Rodgers is to stay in Green Bay, where they protect your legacy, they fix you, like, they they hide your flaws. They hide the nightmare that is the Aaron Rodgers experience, because... Aaron Rodgers, you could give that man the world, and he's going to complain because you tried to draft his backup. But 
little does he, he remember, he was drafted at the tail end of Brett Favre's prime. And Brett Favre wasn't happy about it either. But you know what Brett Favre did? He played out the rest of his contract and went somewhere else in free agency. All Aaron Rodgers has done since Jordan Love has been was drafted has been cry about that pick because they didn't get him another receiver to throw to. How many receivers do you need, Aaron? Like, what what do you what more do you need? And so my overreaction is that Aaron Rodgers is the biggest crybaby this league has ever seen. What y'all got? I'd agree with that. I mean, Tom Brady did more with less. It, at some point, Aaron Rodgers has got to shut up and go out and prove that he's the straight quarterback that, you know, everybody says he is. How many Super Bowls have Tom Brady won with the white guy as, as his primary receiver? Seven. I mean, come on. No. Randy Moss was his that is why oh, we're Randy no Randy Moss was a receiver one year. That's right. I can't say I can't say all seven of them. Five of them, though. Probably, yeah, five was a good number. Uh, I think Randy Moss won three with him. Did he? Two. Two. And one oh, of them really was really in his prime. Okay. One of them was after he was out of his prime. Oh, okay. Edelman was most definitely the um, primary receiver on that yeah, team. Okay. Cool. His best receiver for most of his career was quarterback in college. So, I, he's a great quarterback, but I do think people overhype him, and he is a crappy bitch. Like, when him complaining about um, Love proved how he la- how much leadership he truly lacks. Yeah, I mean. You've you got to figure, Brett Favre, when he was drafted, Brett Favre came in, and he went on air, and he's like, yeah, I, I don't agree with this. Like, I think I'd need another weapon. And the thing is, Brett Favre genuinely needed another weapon. Like, who did they have at the, in Brett Favre's last season? They really didn't have weapons around him. And Brett Favre still went out and damn near went on a Super Bowl run before he ended up leaving. Um, but he went out. He said, I don't like this draft pick. I think it's a bad idea. And then he mentored Aaron Rodgers and helped him become the guy he is now. And so there's two different styles of leadership there. There's, I don't like this pick, but I'm still going to do the best to leave this franchise that gave the world to me. I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to give this franchise the best future possible. And there's the, I'm going to sit here and bitch and complain about everything they've ever done for me and fuck them when I leave. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that if you just look at the things that he says, the things he does, and just the way he acts, Aaron Rodgers has always been about Aaron Rodgers first. He's always been, you know, he. I think he's still mad that the 49ers passed on him. I think that he's mad that he's had to spend an entire career in Green Bay, and he will. It'll never be enough. Um. All right, so to piggyback off of what Augie said about the Niners passing him, I think it's funny that um, the Niners passed on Rodgers not once but twice. Um, they passed allegedly passed on several trade offers from the um, Packers this off season and this last off season, and so um, it's just funny that they passed on him in the rookie draft and then they passed on him again. In the um, off season, with a with a chance to really cement themselves as Super Bowl favorites, um, so they stuck with Jamie G over him, which is hilarious, and it, it just makes my heart happy as a Vikings fan to see him miserable in Green Bay, and hopefully he goes to Denver and proves that he was never the quarterback we all thought he was. Um, but that's all I got on that. What are, anybody else got anything else on that wonderful man? Nah, I, I'm hoping he comes to Tennessee. I'm, I, I know they said that he's not going to, but I still have. I, I want Tennessee on. I hope he goes to Tennessee and loses. Fuck you, Josh. <laughs> hope he goes. Hope he, runs, hope he beats you guys in the playoffs on another miracle. Uh, uh, it's it's always fun when you got a Bills fan and a Titans fan in the same. Um, 
that one. No, I, I hope he goes to Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Not I even Aaron Rodgers could save that shit show. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to take, but I just want that trade to happen. Jared Goff, Dan Campbell, and the next seven years worth of firsts is what it would take to get him to go to Detroit. <laughs> I'm going to pull before our uh, NFL rolls back around and we do our uh, predictions and, um, and bold takes for the season. So I've got it ready. Y'all are going to think I'm smoking meth. I swear to God. but. Uh, you'll Wait, see. You? Hey, nothing will oh. be worse than my division rankings predictions from the beginning of the year when we were still underdog, and I posted those. Those were so bad. So bad. I had the Vikings winning that division. They didn't even sniff a division lead once in the season. We lost in overtime on a Dalvin Cook fumble to the Cincinnati Bengals, and things haven't been right since. Thank you, also. What? You I think you had the Colts win the AFC South. I uh, wonder did they have Pittsburgh winning the North? No, I had Baltimore winning the North. That's right. I know it was And Cleveland finishing. Hey, hey, aside from Baltimore and Pittsburgh, um, so I had Cincinnati finishing second and Pittsburgh finishing third, all three making the playoffs. And, uh, Aside from Baltimore finishing third, I had the order of that division right. Everybody thought I was crazy for putting the um, Bengals above the Browns, but I, I would like to say I was right. I didn't. As you're breaking up, I can't hear. He said he predicted the Bengals to win the division, and he's just being a salty little. Oh, okay. I'm not salty. Okay. I'm being All righty. Is it time for discussion topic? Where are we at? Yeah. All right, Josh, what's your discussion topic for the week? Uh, we already kind of went over that because I was going to go over Brian Flores, and we already did that. So. Wrap it up. We didn't have to pause. Does, do you have winners and losers? Football fans, because that throw was a joke. I don't know. Uh, not really. I don't watch football. I mean, I Alrighty. guess our age, because our the guys we grew up imitating in the backyard are retiring. We've never really got to discuss Brady retiring. Oh yeah, no. I mean, and I have to completely agree with you there. I mean, just our generation in general losing all of our heroes. Like, I mean, think about it, like we've in the past couple of years we've seen <sighs> Elon Manning, Peyton Manning, uh, Tony Romo. <sighs> Bill Rivers, Tom Brady, Big Ben, Drew Brees. The the golden era of football. I mean, we've got five or six great or potentially great quarterbacks in the league right now, but we're never going to see it where there were 10, 11, 12 great quarterbacks at one time ever again. I don't think there's ever a chance we see that again. I, I think there is. I think quarterbacks are being a bit different. It, this generation of quarterbacks – like, imagine if, you know, like all the quarterbacks were watching were pocket passers. Now imagine a bunch of picks. This is the kind of football I can see. I, I, I love a dual third quarterback. And all of these picks can run. That's fair. Um, all right, well, is that all we've got for the week then? Or do we want to... Um, we, I wanted to have Augie discuss um, just kind of the new trajectory of this brand. Cause like we touched on it last week, but Augie's here as well. And so he can uh, touch on his side of things, like the direction that this brand is going to go is different from other brands that we've been a part of and um, what he hopes that this brand achieves. So Augie, if you could touch on that for us real quick. Sure. So, I think that we're going to see two major, both internal and external changes. Um, are you picking me up? Yeah. Okay, cool. I got someone in the back. But, no, one thing that I really want to see is on the internal side, I want to see us taking 
you know, more steps to make sure that we are finding good content to put out for you guys, going beyond the scope of not just being meme makers, but actual content creators, like, you know, try, actually trying to be like the next bar stool, you know, putting up like, you know, articles, hot takes, polls, going live at games, and just like, the internal side of that is managing it, finding great guys who enjoy doing this and like to have fun, and externally, what I really want to see is just more interaction with our fans, the people who like the page or in our groups, like, that's where we're going to see, like, the best interactions that we're going to get, and that's why people follow us, is... You know, it's not just to see something funny that we post. It's to talk with the guys who are watching the same games you're watching. And, you know, just everyone likes to argue with strangers on the Internet. So I kind of want this to feel like a back-to-basics for us, but also we are going to be a lot of new things. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the next bar stool, and like as somebody who's one of the five founders of this group, that's something we've we've seen and we've all thrown around a lot. Is we want to be that next bar stool, that next something because like bar stool was created in a garage, right? And so like or a basement, they were created in. uh was it Dave's mom? Dave's mom's basement or something like that that they created bar stool. And like, yeah, it blew up. It was just they. It was a group of guys who love sports, love being funny, doing stupid shit, and they blew up. The same with like Dude Perfect and uh, stuff like that. Like where they were, they, they enjoy sports, but they're content. They're not just memes. They don't, don't have a niche. They are all encompassing. They make fun of sports. They cover sports. They make videos. As they make podcasts like we're doing right now, just stuff like that. And so I'm excited to see where this goes, obviously. Um, but touching on, on instead writing uh, articles on the pages, keep an eye out. The first NFL one, uh, hopefully this Friday, I should have it done, finished, posted to a website, and published on our page. Um, and that will be covering – the Viking and our history of good, but not great. Um, and so that'll be out on Friday, probably around noon. But look for that. Um, any other exciting updates with the brand? Anything big coming up? Does you want to talk on the trajectory of the podcast going forward? I mean, oh yeah, this like obviously last week or beginning. This is our last week. Uh, doing strictly NFL, we're going to expand. Since, uh, we're going to expand from here on out and discuss all sports. Uh, we're not going to talk about them all in one week. So make this thing like a three-hour podcast about it. Um, instead, we're just going to focus on like the big events. So the next podcast we're going to bring is my believe uh, NASCAR, probably the deadline Thursday. Uh, and then we got Daytona coming up, and then obviously we're going to have to talk about the Super Bowl. So, just a variety of people come, come along from Carolina out. It's a multitude of sports, um, and that's even extends beyond what we cover on the page. Like, we don't have a fighting or a soccer page, but I have every intention on discussing, um, like, big UFC events. Uh, I follow. So, I'm podcast related. Yeah, we're, we're just gonna change up a little bit. Format should stay the same. We're just covering more content, and then externally, we've discussed it already amongst us uh, about like showing up and showing out sporting events. We're something we don't know exactly when or yet, but we're gonna try to get a portion of us in section. I'm going to look at getting a free advertisement. So. Yeah, and uh, just just like they said, like externally marketing ourselves better. Being more out in the open. This is who we are. This is what we are as a brand. This is what we represent. And not, I think something that became such an issue with past brands was we kind of kept we, we, we niched ourselves. We put ourselves in a niche, and 
yeah, we all love making memes, and we're all pretty damn good at making memes, um, which is why we've had three successful brands. I mean, we've already got two pages nearing uh, 200 likes and one that passed over 200 likes in two weeks. Um, so we've had three successful brand launches with Augie and Dez, and then so this third one with the five of us that have started this, and then bringing a bunch of guys over from uh, past brands. Um, just being able to have that experience and know what we're looking at. Like, obviously, we, we're pretty damn good at doing what we do, but we want to branch out. We want to show that we could be more than just memes. We could be more than just the box that we kind of put ourselves in in the past. So we look forward to y'all being a part of that. Um, but don't worry. Your hosts aren't going to change on our podcast. Um, it'll still be your same three fearless hosts, but we will be adding a new – um, rotation of guests um, discover or discussing different topics. We just wanted to kind of keep the host panel the same. We have a good chemistry. We flow really well. Um, it works out. And so, but yeah, we're going to be branching that out. We're going to be um, maybe doing some, uh, like obviously I'm going to be doing articles weekly. We're going to be just be kind of branching. Uh, TikTok has been discussed recently. Um, creating a TikTok page, just stuff like that. But look forward to that. Look forward to all the exciting updates with the brand. And if you don't follow us already, go ahead and like the Mutiny family of pages on Facebook. We're Mutiny Sports NHL, NFL, MLB, NBA, and NCAA edition, um, as well as NASCAR. We have an NCAA, or Mutiny Sports Racing edition. Go ahead, find those, like those, invite your friends to like it, um, interact with our stuff. And we look forward to seeing you guys um, interacting with you as we move forward with this brand. That being said, we're going to go ahead and sign off. I am one of your three co-hosts. Yeah, one of your three co-hosts. I am signing off as an NFL co-host for the final time. Next week, when we record, we will be in all brand podcast. But I am your hashtag feeling the love, hashtag high wattage Steelers and Vikings admin. I am joined by our Titans Saints admin. Go ahead and, and sign off. Deuces, uh, gooses. That's all I'm going to leave it at. All righty. And then uh, we're also joined by our resident Bills Mafia, our third co-host. Uh, hashtag kiss my baths. Yeah. And then so. our guest this week, again, one of your five fearless founders um, and our resident Ravens and Lions fan. You're welcome. Take it away, yep. Body Mouse. Nice to be here. Thanks for the invite, guys. Yes, sir. It was good to have you on. We look forward to hopefully having you on again on future episodes. But for now, that is all for the Mutiny NFL podcast. We look forward to seeing you all next week as a Mutiny Sports podcast. Have a great week. Peace.